Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Baseball season is back. We have a very special guest with us, uh, Disha Dosar from the New York Daily News. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. How are you? Doing good. Excited. This is uh, it's going to be a big season. First one under the Cohen regime. First one, uh, you know, I guess just an unfamiliar optimism, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I think Mets fans are kind of like bearing with this idea of being happy this season. And it's been interesting to see how how everyone's navigating it. <laughs> you know, I think everyone's kind of got to hedge their um, expectations. I guess the initial excitement of Steve Cohen taking the reins, of course, you know, hopes were through the, through the roof. And, uh, you know, I think everyone had just to cool their jets and, you know, big picture the Mets did very well this off season. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it, it, kind of that quote is being passed around now um, about the drunken sailors and Cohen never wanted to commit to spending like that this off season. And I mean, he never really did, but there are a lot of, considerations coming up with contract extensions and things like that. So I think keeping that in mind, this was definitely progress and, you know, they made some moves that definitely would not have been done in in the past few years. Oh, for sure. I mean, looking back at it now, um, you know, Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez are, you know, no offense to either of them, but they're kind of afterthoughts at this point. It's like we got Cookie Carrasco and Frank uh, Francisco Lindor and, you know, it's not even a a second thought, but um, there's an excitement around camp. Marcus Stroman spoke to uh, the media today and, you know, he's never short of confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, It's actually funny because the the last thing he said coming to mind, you saying we should be getting excited is, you know, that's kind of what his focus was, at least for today's press conference. It was everything about how strong the Mets have had a a strong offseason and, you know, fans should just be be getting pumped up. (laughs) Yeah. And he he seems, you know, his confidence in himself is like we said, it's always very high. Um, He seems very excited to be coming into the year with the staff um, that that's that's in place as far as the rotation. Um, You know, you think that they've done enough, you know, and the depth is great. You know, Yamamoto, Lucchese, uh, Lucchese, sorry, uh, David Peterson, Colome. You know, these are all guys you can kind of plug in. Do you think it's been enough or, you know, are there, do you think that their hopes to add another starting pitcher are justified? Yeah, I think we, you know, even entering camp, the the hope, at least around the team, was that they were going to add another starting pitcher, especially after going so hard for Bauer and falling short. And, and they still need to fill that hole even doubled down. I think it was interesting that Luis Rojas multiple times yesterday mentioned that Seth Lugo was a huge loss, a huge blow. Um, and he just, you know, you could tell he's kind of sitting on that and they're trying to now pivot and figure out what they're going to do there. Um, so of course that was one of those unforeseen circumstances that just seemed to happen to this team, like at any given point. So they clearly are back on their toes pretty quickly in, in trying to figure that out. But other than that, I think they've done, you know, Sandy's done a good job of filling pieces that they needed depth for sure in their rotation. And like you said, the, the names that you mentioned definitely help. Oh, for sure. I, mean, I think all across the roster, depth has kind of been a hallmark of the offseason. I mean, yep. even on the positional side, the guys like VR and Pilar, um, Almora, uh, in, in incumbents like J.D. Davis, you know, Luis Guillorme, you know, that's like a an elite level bench. Yep. Yep, exactly. And it's kind of like, you know, just when you pose it with what they had in the past, it shows that it was a huge difference. 
Oh, for sure. Um, you mentioned that, you know, Lugo's injury, you know, kind of came out of the blue. Um, I guess, were you a little surprised that the Mets weren't in on Trevor Rosenthal at being out on the market? Yeah, I know you've heard that he, they, you know, that they were in on him, but it just, he, he chose not to come to the Mets eventually. So I think that adds when you put all of these names together right at the end of the offseason, everyone they missed, that they had some play on at some point point in the off season, it makes a bigger difference, right? Like one at a time, it's like, okay, no big deal. First it was Real Muto, then it's Springer, then they're out on Bauer, but they start adding up. So I think in that sense, it becomes surprising. Um, but when you, you know, look at everything else they've done and, and look at it big picture, it's just a different perspective. Oh, for sure. And um, I know uh, Louis Rojas spoke a little bit about J.D. Davis on Wednesday. Um, he foresees him spending more time at third base, which if you look at his defensive metrics, that makes sense. Um, you know, we've heard a lot about, I guess it's not even, you know, hard rumors, but just a lot of talk about, oh, do you move Davis? You know, where does he play? Is he a liability? Um, Rojas seemed somewhat comfortable going into the season with Davis yesterday. I guess I guess he could, you could say he alluded to that yet on, on Wednesday, but do you feel that Davis is a liability? I mean, his bat is, is, is sufficient, but do you think that that, that defense, those defensive shortcomings could come back to bite him in the long run or do you think yeah. he's hideable? I think, you know, especially going back to what you said, how Rojas kind of was saying that he feels comfortable with Davis at third um, can be attributed to the depth that they have there in case that he's not. I don't think that he'd be feeling as confident in case they didn't have that safety net in Villar and then they have um, Guillaume could possibly McNeil if, if it gets that bad. So I think in that case, he's like feeling good about who can pinch in if it turns out that he didn't come to camp as strong as maybe they hoped or they expected. And I think a big part also of this offseason is just were guys able to train the way they normally would because of the pandemic? And that's, you know, and a question that at least we'll be asking, um, especially JD, but it could possibly negatively impact how prepared he is. And we, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. We have no idea yet because we haven't spoken to him, but um, if that is the case, then, you know, Mets have, might have to pivot, but in terms of just, is he a liability based on what I've seen from him? I think he has a great arm and he could improve a little on his first steps um, and his actual jump to the ball. But other than that, I think he definitely deserves a chance, especially after having the breakout season that he did in um, 2019. And I think um, in fairness to him, the the kind of fallback year where he regressed, he regressed at the plate last year um, is understandable because it was the pandemic season. Right. And he wasn't seeing as regular at bats as he was in 2019 last year. And it's exactly. funny, if you look at his third base metrics, um, he made, you know, he made progress in some areas. I guess in 2019, he was really, t um, he was actually pretty good at going side to side, but going in, like you were just saying, was a real issue for him. Yeah. 2020, he improved on going in, but his then his side to side metrics kind of dipped. So, yeah. you know, but I think with time, and we've seen so many guys, Dom Smith, Luis Guillorme, as they get more playing time and as they get more comfortable, you know, the real player finally shows up. Um, I think he get him time out there and he gets better. He's a professional yeah. ball player. You can only expect that. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, once now that they they can, they know what to expect. It's not as much of an unexpected bumpy season as last year. I think he might just begin to trust, you know, his self more and his own abilities, um, which might go play into it as well. 
oh, confidence goes so far. <laughs> and that yeah. goes for anything. Yeah, exactly. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Comcast has built a broadband network with one simple purpose, to keep customers connected every single day. In the last 10 years, we have invested $30 billion and $15 billion since 2017 alone to keep America's largest gig speed broadband network fast, secure, and reliable. Because more Americans rely on Comcast to stay connected, we work around the clock to build a better network every single day. Comcast, better today, even better tomorrow. Learn more at comcast.com network. The Fall Line is a true crime podcast covering the coldest cases in the southeastern United States and occasionally beyond. We focus on the missing persons, the unsolved murders, and the unidentified does that don't get media attention. Empathetic and intensively researched, The Fall Line will take you on deep dives into unsolved cases that you've never heard of and make you wonder why you haven't. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. What's it been like for a beat writer with this whole, I guess, dealing with these wild times like, in, you know, settling into your job, which, you know, you're still this is what your second full year going into your second year on the beat. This is actually going into my third full year. Yeah. Third full year. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, no, it, no worries. It's all it's all blur at this point. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but um, that must have been wild for you guys. Right. Or I guess at least you personally. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, I definitely go into the off season expecting some break times off, like at least in the beginning of November, most teams had that Mets did not because they had an ownership change. So I kind of was prepared for the overloaded first half of the off season. At least I could expect it. Um, but yeah, there's no way I could have predicted it would have ended this way. I mean, just nonstop action. Right. And it's not, it just seems like because the Mets were always in your face, always on headlines, always on the back pages. I think even for reporters, I mean, from a beat reporter standpoint, it was very just hyper aware of something that could, you know, take place or happen at any given time. So I know when I wasn't working, I put the desk on high alert. (laughs) And when I was working, I was on high alert. So it's been, it's been a crazy past few months. Oh my goodness. And and really, I mean, just from, from a fan's perspective, uh, you've absolutely killed it this off season. Like everything's been so good. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, Do you have, I I just had a couple of little questions here. Do you have a team that you root for, whether it's baseball or another sport when you're not working? Um, I guess the, the, it's not so much a team, but a player and Rafael Nadal. Um, Nice. Yeah, kind of obsessed, but that's kind of <laughs> the only the only other time I have to to really pay attention to anything else is when tournaments like kind of like the Australian Open just now and the off season go on um, and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I was, I was watching Djokovic this morning. I, yep. I, I, I enjoy tennis. It's great. <laughs> yeah. uh, Osaka looked amazing, by the way. Right, right. Um, and, and what's the first thing you're doing once the, uh, once the pandemic or once we go back to normal, I should say, what's the first thing you're doing? Oh man. Um, definitely going to a bar. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and like, I'm, I'm actually really excited for the point where, you know, everyone's comfortable enough that like we're packing out bars again. Cause that seems like we're kind of a, a far away from that, but yeah, after that, just kind of, I mean, I don't know. It's been so long, right? Like since we've all been together enjoying stuff that I can't really think beyond the simple parts right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Just that first so, step into like a crowded room will be nice. Yeah. Right. And let's see how that goes first. And then I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, any personal goals for the upcoming season? Uh, personal goals. I think I'm definitely trying to, I it's, it's weird to kind of say, you know, better your craft because sometimes on this beat, it's just hard to even get to that point because you're working so much. But my personal goal for this season is to do some feature stories and kind of perfect that craft. Cause I've, it was something that I used to do a lot in college. And ever since I've just been thrown kind of on the, on the meds, it's been something I haven't paid attention to enough. So we'll see if I can, I have some time to work on that this year. <laughs> Well, you, you have been doing terrific with your feature work recently. Um, you know, if everyone, if you haven't checked it out, uh, Deja did a very, very thoughtful piece um, following the Mickey Calloway incident. I, I implore you to read it. We're not going to get into it on the show, but uh, please, please do check it out. It's just um, powerful, thoughtful work that everyone really need, needs to read. And uh, what we will discuss very, very briefly is how in the world does Mickey Calloway still have a job? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so frustrating because it's been weeks at this point. I know in the beginning I was keeping a tab and to the point where it's just been so long and it's like, you know, what, I'm not even holding out hope now that it might happen before spring training. So um, last I heard, I know MLB is doing an investigation, whatever that means to them. And we just kind of have to wait on, on the pending results of it. Just a, a, a disappointing stain on the game. It's just um, things need to change. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, like I think what Sandy Alderson said, one of the things he said in his press conference after Jared Porter was that this was a wake up call. And for, you know, all of these other executives that might look up to Sandy in some way, I think he set some good examples and some bad examples. And they look worse in hindsight only because, you know, two more men were accused after Porter and here he is sitting there thinking, you know, it's, we're good. We handled it. And and now it's over. And that, you know, is, was definitely not the case. So um, I think it, a lot of things can be done better on, on all sides, but it, at the end of the day, it, it's embarrassing. I think the industry should just be embarrassed. I agree a hundred percent. And I think people start just, they just need to listen. At least someone, I, I, I'm a man, I'm a straight man. And someone in my position needs to listen. It just, that's just how it is. It doesn't even matter if, if, if you feel that you're a problem or not, you need to listen. Everybody needs to just listen and take this message in because it's important. It doesn't affect just us. It affects next generations. And we have, I have daughters, I have a 16 year old and a 10 year old, like, you know, neither of them are into sports, but they're going to be entering the workforce soon. And, and that's, that's, you know, if that's the atmosphere here, it's the atmosphere everywhere. And it's just terrifying. And it's, it's right. got to change. Yeah. It's definitely not unique to baseball. And I think um, it was an awful reminder for, for people to, you know, 
kind of read what I wrote in those two columns and it kind of stretched to the the part for, and that's the, the sad part for women is that they can read something like that and relate, but it's super tough, you know, and they don't want to be reminded of all of their past traumas that um, have happened, but it's, it's true in that at least speaking out about it and sharing these stories will eventually make a difference. And I think looking back um, that will be important. It, it, you know, it, we can only hope and it will. It is important. And yeah. again, just we can only go up from here. <clears throat> we hope. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but DC, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us. Um, best of luck heading into the season and uh, just keep keep killing it out there. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having, having me on. Excellent. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon, everybody. Let's go Mets. Mets.